indeed, it's a humbling experience to be speaking here to all of you, having been, been here for about a year or so. Uh, but before, but of all things, uh, first and foremost, uh, I want to thank God for His grace and mercy and His gifting uh, and all that He has given to me so that I can stand here. Uh, if not for what God has done in my life, uh, I wouldn't be standing here. So uh, before we begin, uh, let's start off by reading God's Word. So with your Bibles, let's open to Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth. And behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it lower, second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of animals that are not clean, and male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord 
had commanded him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here together to hear your word. We pray that as, as I preach your word, uh, all that comes from my mouth will be of your word. And may your word and spirit bring life to those who are dead in their sins. And may your word and spirit bring comfort and conviction for, for those of us who, are, who, need, who, who, who needs a bit of encouragement in our Christian walk. Spur us on, O oh Lord, through your word as we, as we learn about your coming judgment and your coming salvation. In Christ's name, God's people say. Uh, once again, I just want to thank God for this opportunity to preach God's word to you. And uh, also want to extend the thanks to uh, our pastor, Pastor Micah as, and Pastor Wong, as well as the elders in entrusting this task uh, for this young man. Uh, indeed, as, as, a, as a one of the... As, as one of the reformers said, uh, John Knox, you know, he, he said that, uh, I, and I echo along with him, you know, his greatest fear is not in front of enemies, but it's a standing in front of the pulpit preaching God's word. And not that it's scary, but it's, it's scary in the sense where, you know, I've been tasked to carry this heavy weight, this responsibility to preach faithfully upon all of you. And by God's grace, I hope I will do just that today as I preach through this passage. So up to this point, one of the probing questions in Genesis chapter 6 is this. Where is God's promised seed? Who will be the one to defeat Satan as promised in Genesis chapter 4? Definitely not able, because he's unable to, he's unable to do so uh, given the fact that he's been killed. Not Cain, because he was exiled and he was cursed on top of that. Could it be Seth as Eve confessed in chapter 4? Where, where, where she says, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. So far, it seems like it. It seems the promised seed would be coming from the line of Seth. As we've seen through Pastor Wong's sermon, as well as Elder Han Ming's sermon last week. Yet, even Seth's line, as we've seen specifically last week, has been tainted. So what is left of God's promise for His people? Will it happen? What will happen to this hopeless and broken world that is filled with sin? So, so far to this point, this is the central question. So from this passage, from today's passage, chapter 6 verses 9 to chapter 7 verse 5, the answer to our question is yes, God will keep His promises. God will keep His promises because when we look at verse 9, verse 9 tells us that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And, and in previous verse, uh, verse 8, 
we've, we've been even told that Noah was, has found favor in God's eyes. Just like Enoch, Noah walked with God, as we've seen in this passage. However, their difference lies in the manner in which God will, God interacted with them. Because we all know that Enoch, as Enoch walked with God, Enoch was taken away. And here in today's uh, passage, we see that Noah was called to build the ark upon the judgment that is coming upon the world. So compared to his contemporaries, compared to those around him, Noah was considered righteous and blameless. Not because of his own uh, goodness, but because he, was, because he trusted in God's declaration of judgment as we look in, as, as we shall explore in this passage. Yes, um, Noah did all that God instructed him to do, to build the ark. But at the end of the day, which we will also see in this passage, that it was his faith upon God's word for him that motivated him to build the ark. So let's get this straight, okay? It's not his obedience that earned God's favor, but it is because his faith upon God's word, which is the fact that judgment is coming. His faith in what God will do motivated him to do all that God instructed him to do. So from here, we, from this passage, we shall explore and see how Noah is a man of faith. A man that trusted God. A man that looked to God. A man that depended upon God even in the, in the, even in the face of coming judgment and coming salvation. Because to Noah, in the eyes of Noah, in Noah's knowledge, what was rain in that time? Right? We have to remember uh, there has not been there's not been rain yet. Rain, has, rain, rain was something new to Noah. And here God is telling Noah, I will send rain and I will destroy the whole world. It takes a great, it takes a great leap of faith to trust in God to do all that He has called Him to do. Now, moving on, as we move on to the next few verses, verse 11 onwards. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So what was, what was the solution to this problem? It was judgment. And what was the form of judgment? It was by water. As verse 13, God says, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for all the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And verse 14 goes on to tell us the description of the ark which God instructed Noah. This judgment is going to come by a form of water, in a form of drowning. It sounds very scary and it sounds, it sounds like an irony at best 
Because when we look, when we look back into the Garden of Eden, we see the garden was flowing with waters, watering the whole, watering the whole garden, watering and providing life for all the fruits for Adam and Eve to enjoy. And it was God's good provision. It provided life. It gave life. And here we see water became a symbol of judgment, a symbol of what God is going to do, which is to bring an end to all flesh. All this due to increasing corruption, even in Seth's line, as we've seen from last week. It goes to show that if how far the effects of sin has gone, it has even gone to, gone to the righteous, gone, gone to those who are righteous. But some of us might start asking, what about Noah? Noah was righteous. Noah was blameless. To a certain degree, he is. He was blameless and righteous as compared with his contemporaries, as compared to those in his time. But as we will discover in chapter 9, Noah was still not perfect. Noah is not perfect. But of course, uh, having said that, please come for the rest of the sermons as well as, we, as, as, you know, as the chapter progresses to get the fullness of what this uh, whole passage tells us. So the effects of sin go so far to the point where all will receive judgment. The world will receive judgment. The animals, the plants, the whole, of the, the, whole, the whole world will receive judgment. The whole world will be drowned in this water judgment. The whole world, in a way, will be covered with what was supposed to give life. Water. Including animals, including plants. And verse 12 helps us to see the contrast between, uh, between the start of creation, uh, be between creation and this current situation. Because in both situations, God saw, however, the response was different. Because in creation, God saw all things, and behold, it was good. And when God saw hum humanity after creating, after creating them, God saw that it was very good. But here, we see the total opposite, where God grieves in light of all that has corrupted the world. Behold, it was corrupt. It was not good anymore, for all flesh had corrupted their ways on earth. Something that, something that God saw was good in the beginning and all we see now, corruption. And that is why judgment is coming. Judgment by water. Judgment by drowning. Judgment by what seems to give life. Water. And it's now going to destroy all things as Noah and his family knows during that time. But there's a little twist here. Because it is not immediately. It's not something that will come immediate. 
it's something that still seems somewhat distant. It is something that seems far away from Noah's current knowledge, as well as to those around, uh, th those who lived with Noah's time. Because at this point, God is only telling what is coming, which is judgment. Judgment is coming. Judgment of water is coming. Take heed of this warning. It is a warning given to all people, Noah included. But in the midst of declaration of the judgment that is coming, God instructed the building of the ark as we see in verse 14 onwards, all the way until verse 16. It is something surprising and shocking because for Noah, again, he does not know what is actually coming. All he knows is there will be a flood and now God is instructing him to build an ark. Yet we see Noah in good faith, trusting God's word, knowing that God's word is true, knowing God's word stands true, even in the midst of so-called un uncertainty in the eyes of human, in the eyes of human knowledge. Because for Noah, God's word mattered more than what, what, what was going to, what, what he can see. As the book of Hebrews tells us, Noah acted in good faith. Noah acted in faith. So it is interesting to note that the building of the ark is one, one that has similarities with the ark of tabernacle, you know, where God's presence actually dwelt with Israel. And now the ark is actually a symbol of salvation. But at this point of time, it is a symbol of salvation that is going to come. Because again, the flood is still something that is far away. The flood is something that has yet to come. So the whole of Noah's family under him, they are called to, they are, they are called to, to go under this ark, to be under Noah, to, to find refuge in this ark which God instructed him to build. And not just Noah's family, interestingly, but also creation but also creation as we as we shall see later their safety the whole of creation's safety the whole of noah's family their safety depend rest upon noah as long as they are under noah as long as they they do as noah instructed as long as they look to him as long as they follow him they will be saved they will be delivered from judgment. They will be delivered from the judgment that has yet to come. And provisions were also given to all of them. Food, shelter, safety. And, it, and at this point, before even a drip of rain, salvation seems equally far away as judgment. Salvation is still something quite distant for, for them as well because the rain has yet to, a drip of rain has yet to be seen for Noah. But yet, in the midst of all this, we see God's, God establishing a promise to 
preserve and to keep Noah and those under him, as we look at as we look at verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. And there in the ark, under Noah, they will be spared. They will not face the penalty. They will not face the water judgment. And this promise that Yahweh, that God makes with Noah and those under him, is such, is, is such that ties in closely to God's instruction in chapter 7 where Noah was instructed to keep seven pairs of clean animals for sacrifice. God's promise for Noah is not, it's not just an empty promise, but it's a promise of salvation that requires a sacrifice, that requires sacrifice, that requires blood being poured out to be saved. Because at the end of the day, friends, Brothers and sisters, salvation is not without sacrifice and blood. Salvation is not without sacrifice and blood. Blood must be poured. And just as God, how, how God sacrificed an animal to clothe Adam and Eve, all right, this here, the instruction for Noah will show us, will tell us in the, in the later chapters how God will instruct Noah to sacrifice these animals as a symbol of his of their salvation. And this salvation and this promise of salvation that God gives to Noah and his family is such it's is one that actually leads on, that brings to that brings Noah and his family to a new era, to a new time, to, to a new period of time. Because with all things wiped out, all right, with all things, with all peoples, with all animals, with all plants wiped out, there will be nothing left on earth except those under the, except those within the ark, except those inside the ark, except those under Noah's care. This salvation, this coming salvation brings them to a new creation. This salvation brings them to a, to a new era where, in a way, where all things will be made new. Because when, when you look at chapter 6, verse 19, right, you can't help, okay, you can't help but see the language of creation being used here. Of every living things of all flesh, you shall bring two of every salt into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. And when you look at verse 20, of the birds according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kinds and when was the last time we heard this phrase being used 
It was in creation where God created animals, each according to its kind. And here, all these animals, according to its kind, has been, has been commanded, has been brought under Noah, has been brought into the Ark of Salvation, which will, which will bring them towards a new era, where they will repopulate the earth, where they will bring, where, where, where they will bring about a new period in all of human history. Those outside will be wiped out. They will face their judgment and be wiped out. They will drown in their sins as along with God's righteous judgment. But those in the ark, they will repopulate the earth after all these events, which we will also see in the next few sermons in chapter 8 and chapter 9. So please, come to church. Don't miss, don't miss a session of our expository preaching series. So in, as we reflect upon this passage, one of the things that we see is that judgment seems really far away. But it is coming, friends. It is coming. God will bring His righteous judgment upon sinners. But at the same time, as long as, as long as the warning of judgment is there, there is also the call for salvation. Salvation is also calling to you. Jesus is also calling to you, brothers and sisters and friends. Both salvation and judgment comes together in one package. Though, yes, they are different, but... They always come together. They always come together. As we see here in this passage, as, long, as much as God declared judgment, we see God declaring salvation as well for Noah and his family, as well as for some of, some of creation. And in this part of the story, we see that water will both save and water will also destroy. But the water will not save just because by water alone, but because of the ark, the ark of salvation, where Noah is the head of this ark. Just as the crossing of the Red Sea, you see, water again, it was, a, it was salvation for the Israelites, for deliverance from, Egypt, from, from, the, from, from the power of the Egyptians. But at the same time, it was judgment for the Egyptians, for their pride, for their idolatry, and for, and, and for their evil of suppressing God's people in all those hundreds of years. It, go, it comes together, salvation and judgment. And Jesus' death on the cross as well. It is salvation for all of us who place our faith in Him. It was also a symbol of judgment for those who refuse to look to Him in faith. And it is also a symbol of judgment where Christ took upon the judgment that we deserve upon His, upon his own body. And we, on the other hand, will be spared from that 
judgment that we deserve. Our water baptism symbolizes salvation for all of us who trust in Him too, and for our children as well. However, it symbolizes judgment for those who receive this water baptism and renounce and renounce this baptism and reject Jesus' cleansing. So we see, so from this very passage, we see that salvation and judgment comes together in one package. Just as the rest of scripture where we see judgment and salvation coming together as one package. Yes, they are different, but they are not separated. They come together. And here in, in our passage today, we see that salvation, the, the coming salvation and coming judgment is declared together at the same time. Yes, they are both different. But we see God declaring judgment and we see God declaring salvation for Noah and his family. So for those of us sitting here who have yet to place our faith in Christ, are we aware of the coming judgment which we will face? Are we aware of the righteous judgment of God in the midst while we are in the midst of indulging in our sins? Are we so numb that the idea of receiving God's righteous judgment sounds sounds like nothing compared to our sin, compared to our the delight of our sins? Just as God called and just as God warned the people through Noah's building of the ark, which was a sim- which was a symbol of salvation. Christ, the true ark of salvation, is now warning and calling sinners to himself. And if you are sitting here, Christ is calling you today through the preaching of his word and through, through, and through the preaching of the gospel by, by your friends who brought you here. And he's calling you to faith and repentance. And by not taking heed of this call, we will soon face the judgment that we deserve. But by going to Christ, the ark of our salvation, we will be delivered from our sins. And let me, let me tell you this good news. We will be delivered. We will be delivered. As Christ himself tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 37 to 39, His coming will be just like the flood during Noah's period. Look to Him in faith and repentance, brothers and sisters and friends. Look to Him in faith and repentance today because He is calling you. Because by the time Jesus returns, it will be too late. You will face your judgment. You will face the judgment that you deserve. But today, if you, t- when you, if you turn to Him in faith and repentance, you will be delivered when He returns. Your judgment 
will be placed upon Christ and you will be spared. And you, just like the rest of, just like the rest who place their faith in Christ, you will enter into new creation as well, where you will be made, made new, where you will be made sinless, where you will be made to delight in God's presence forever and ever and, have, and be in no pain and suffering. And for all of us uh, Christians, have we grown weary of waiting for the day where Christ will return to judge and save us and bring upon this new creation? All these things seem far away, especially in light of the ongoing conflict in the whole world or even, the pers or, or even our personal lives where we go through so much pain, so much grief, and so much heart aches, and even physical pain. Have these things caused us to be weary of waiting? Just as God promised Noah, God promised us in Christ that He will come again. Friends, let me repeat that. He will come again. It is not a probability, but it is certain that He will come to judge, to make things right and to save us from this present suffering and bring us to new creation. But while we are still here, but while we are still here, may we persevere in faith. May we cling on to God's promises that has been given to us in His Word, just like Noah, trusting Him, even, even in the midst of not being able to see what is actually coming until it comes. Because brothers and sisters, when the time comes, it will be too late. When the time comes, we will not know. It will come as a surprise to all of us. Because when the time comes, there will either be, there will either be rejoicing or there will either be cries of hatred towards God. And I hope that all of us who are seated here will be found among those who will rejoice upon the coming of Christ. And just like Noah, may we persevere in faith, trusting Christ, looking to, looking to Christ, the ark of our salvation, who delivers, who will deliver us from our sins, who has already delivered from our sins and who will also deliver us from our current broken state into a state of perfection, into, a st into new creation. And may I exalt you through the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 that tells us, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world 
and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Yes, everything may seem distant. We may not be able to see things clearly. But one thing for certain, we can be sure, is that Christ has already died for our sins. And by that certainty that He rose again from the dead, we can trust that He will come and deliver us into new creation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us in your word about coming judgment and coming salvation. Oh Lord, even in the midst of things that is unseen, may we, as your people, constantly look to your word that gives us that gives us certainty, that gives us the certainty of of what your Son, Christ Jesus, has done on the cross that promises salvation, that brings us salvation, and that will one day usher us into a new creation. Even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our pain, may we not lose sight of this promise. May we not lose sight of your word. May we not lose sight of our Saviour. And for those of us, and for those here that have yet to respond to you in faith and repentance, we pray, O oh Lord, that the words that they hear today will work in them. We pray that in your own time you will bring you, you will bring your word into fruition in their weary lives, that they will come in faith and repentance, trusting in the finished work of Christ. And may they also look forward to the new creation where you will also bring us along, where we will rejoice with you forever and ever, where we will delight with you, where we will enjoy you forever and ever. Speak to us, O Lord. Convict, comfort all your people. In Christ's name.